Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello, and welcome once again to Daily Daf Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanowski. Today we're studying Tractate Shabbat, Daf Samech Aleph, or page 61. And today I'd like to give you a little bit of humor and a little bit of magic. But first, something serious so that the humor can be funny. At its very best, halacha is a resource, a very rich resource for sanctifying life. It, it enables us to make even small gestures meaningful and sacred. It enables us the way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we go to the bathroom, the way we dress, our houses, all of these things are opportunities for helping us live a more God-centered and sacred life. But at its worst, halacha can sometimes be communal, organized, obsessive-compulsive disorder. Sometimes we can't do anything without linking it up to some some specific demand of a practice, and it sometimes can drive you crazy. So with this, I want to tell you a joke about the small-minded aspect of these things, there is a man, he's very, very religious, he follows the law in every jot and tittle, and when he dies, he is invited up past the pearly gates, he's invited up to to the supernal palace, to Gan Eden, to the Garden of Eden, and they say to him, you know, Moshe, you're amazing, you, you have, never has there been somebody who followed the law with such devotion. We're going to give you an opportunity, you can transgress, there's no more, there's no more mitzvot here in heaven. You are chofshi min hamitzvot, as the tradition says. You're free from the commandments, and you can do what you want. What do you want to do? And he thinks, and he says, I would like to put on my left shoe before my right shoe. He wasn't thinking about eating something fancy, or thinking about some transgressive sexual act, or something like that. He was just thinking about putting on his shoes in the way other than what the Talmud says. Well, today, on our page, is the discussion of putting on your shoes the way the Talmud says. You remember yesterday we talked about the tragedy of nail-studded shoes and how people may have trampled each other. Um, That passage also said that you shouldn't go out wearing one shoe. There's a concern that somebody will think that you have, if, if they see you walking around with one shoe, somebody who sees you will think, that you've got the other shoe in your pocket, and they'll think that you're violating Shabbat, and that'll be that'll be bad as a social as a social uh, you know diminish people's observance. So if if you wear one shoe though, but you have a wound on your foot, that's okay because either depending on which of the two interpretations the Talmud gives, either people will see that you put your shoe on the healthy foot, and that the reason it's off the other foot is that it's got this big wound on it, or vice versa. You'll put the foot, the shoe on your wounded foot as a kind of a bandage, and your other foot is healthy as barefoot. They won't, they won't worry about that. And so from that, the Talmud goes on and talks about the order that you should put your shoe on. Uh, Rabbi Yochanan says that you should put your left shoe on first, and then the other, the other view says that you should put your right shoe on first. Very important details. 
Um, and they go through and they wonder why Rabbi Yochanan thought what he thought and why the other view thought what it thought. And then Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak says, profound teachings, profound spiritual teachings, said, a God-fearing person like Ma Brede Ravina will satisfy both views. That's right. He will satisfy the views both that say you should put your left shoe on first and the view that says you should put your right on, right shoe on first. How can you do both of those? So here's what you do. You put your right shoe on first, but you don't tie it. Then you put the left shoe on and you tie that one, and then you tie the right shoe. They're important, important religious topics we're talking about now. And Ravashi says, however, Rav Kahana was not particular about which shoe he put on first. Well, let's hear it for Rav Kahana. I, I'm, I mostly am reverent towards the Talmud. Uh, this one, I think, is a little bit funny. And I think that probably uh, they thought it was funny, too. I'm, I'm going to guess that also the ancient sages thought it was funny to suggest that some people say put your right shoe on first, some people say you should put your left shoe on first. So do both. Okay, the next topic. Now, now to the magic. The Mishnah also said that you should not go out wearing an amulet unless it was written by an expert. Okay, now, obviously they lived at a, at a time when the scientific knowledge was minimal from, from our standpoint, and Amulets, that's, that's how you got healed. In general, the rabbis actually don't believe in taking uh, medicines on Shabbat because if you grind up whatever kind of poultice that they, that they would use, if you, if you would take a ground up poultice on Shabbat as a medicine, uh, you would be likely to come to grind up another poultice and so they, they regard that as, as uh, an invitation to transgress Shabbat. So, you, you can't take medicine, and, and in the modern era, it's actually kind of interesting, you know, when, when we don't uh, grind up our own medicines. Is, is it okay to take Tylenol or something like that on Shabbat? We in the conservative world and the non-Orthodox world mostly say yes, but the actual, you know, prevailing practice in more Orthodox communities is not even to take a Tylenol or something like that on Shabbat. But uh, in any event, if it doesn't involve an action, just the wearing of an amulet, well, if it is from a mumcha, from an expert amulet, or the particular spell that was included in the amulet has proven successful in previous instances, then yes, you can even, uh, you can even wear that on Shabbat. So the Talmud is now going to discuss whether, you know, whether that makes sense or in what sense that, that may, in, in, in what way that makes sense. And they go on and ask, do amulets have kiddusha? Do, do amulets have holiness? Amulets are for the most part made by uh, the writing of the divine names. I, in fact, myself, possess an amulet that was belonged to somebody in my family. I don't exactly know who. I've been trying to decipher the, the sort of code in the amulet, and I've got, I've got part of it done. The amulet was in the home of somebody who himself served in the South Pacific in World War II, and whose father was both a scribe and a uh, Eastern European immigrant, and my suspicion, without being able to be certain, is that his father got him an amulet um, to serve during World War II. But I don't exactly know. The amulet is wallet size, which is why I think that. In all events, they ask, do amulets have kidusha? Are amulets, with their coded divine names and angelic names, are they sacred? Well, we say here in the Talmud that they are not so sacred that they should be 
saved from the fire on Shabbat, they should be permitted to burn. But they are sacred enough that you don't just throw them into the ash heap. You should put them in a geniza. A geniza being a kind of special uh, trash room for sacred, sacred objects. Uh, but what about carrying it into the bathroom? The Talmud goes on to suggest here that a, a written out amulet full of divine spells because it is of uh, proven effective in causing healing. Now, we in the modern age don't think that amulets heal, but they did. So because the amulet is proven, so to speak, effective in healing, one could uh, wear it even though one might have to take it off before one entering the bathroom. Continuing on to the next page, we understand that the Talmud continues and says, that one should not carry an, carry an amulet, but that if an amulet were in a leather pouch, one could, one could carry, uh, carry their amulet into the bathroom. So it does have holiness, but, um, ideally, uh, one, so it does have holiness, so one shouldn't carry it into the bathroom, but if it works, if it is a good amulet, then you can carry it because you've got to take care of your, got to take care of your health, got to use your best magic spells, and uh, and if necessary, you might even have to remove it before entering the bathroom. So, you know, obviously nowadays we don't, we don't use amulets, although this could have an interesting implication if you thought about curative, curative sort of medications or whatever, curative patches that people would wear today. Some people might say, no, 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 you can't, you can't wear that on Shabbat. But in fact, our, our view as expressed here is that when things are curative, um, they would appear to be uh, appropriate for wearing even into Rashut Harabim, even into the public sphere. So with a little bit of a smile on my face, I will say, next time you think about wearing your amulet on Shabbat, just be sure it is from an expert amulet maker with a proven track record for that spell. And I wish you well. And I look forward to studying with you tomorrow, Tractate uh, track Shabbat, page Samet Bet 62. See you then. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.